Good evening. Welcome to service. So good to have everyone here as we come to worship the Lord and get into His Word. Uh, well, let's take just a few moments to welcome everybody watching online tonight. Would you help me do that? Welcome online if you're watching. Thanks for tuning in. I believe the last time I spoke, I think I was preached a sermon called Hello Florence uh, with the hurricane coming in, so it could be Goodbye Michael. I don't know, but uh, we're praying for those folks there. But uh, I'm excited just to share with you tonight. How many know this, that God is great? God is the greatest, right? If he is the greatest, then that means he is greatness. You know, when you look at the word just great, it means the mighty, you, you could say it's mighty, it's explosive, uh, beyond measure. And so when we think of God, we could literally say he is beyond measure. Amen. In our lives, as we see him at work, and when we think about that, there's a word that we get called megathon from that word that is great, and we use it in our English language, and it measures atomic explosives. Imagine the explosive power of Jesus Christ. Imagine that in your life, in people's lives, that he has the power to change a life, to transform a life, that if a life is heading in one direction, that he can come in and change it and it goes a different direction. Isn't that awesome? And we that are here, we may have experienced that in our life, but if you haven't, my prayer is that you would experience that. Listen, when you begin to think of the greatness of God, I think of this, the greatest car I've ever owned. Anybody remember the greatest car you've ever owned? It may be now or it could have been 20 years ago, but you remember how fast it was, the color of it, um, the, you know, and the wheels that are on it, the, the tires. Now, I'm probably speaking a little bit to guys here, right? But you remember that, the greatest vacation you've ever been on. Um, I remember a vacation when I was growing up. I was probably around 13 years of age, and we had family in Northern California near Lake Shasta. Anybody know about Lake Shasta? We spent uh, a week on a houseboat on Lake Shasta. I'm telling you, we had jet skis all day long, ski boats. We could fish at night. Uh, during the day, we could go on top of the house, or uh, at night, we'd go on top of the houseboat and kind of just sleep on, on top of the houseboat, about 18 of us looking at the stars. I'll, I'll never, it was the greatest, one of the greatest vacations as I was a kid growing up. I loved it. But we have these, the greatest moments in our lives. Now, I want you to think about this is I want to be talking tonight about the greatest relationship that we've ever had. What does that mean to each and every one of us? If I have a great relationship, that means I find that great relationship where? In the greatest book, and the greatest book is the Bible. Now let me take you back just real quick to a time in your life that maybe you gave your life to the Lord. Do you remember that time? Think about it. Do you remember how old you were? Were you in it? Now, let me just ask this. How many was in a church when you were saved? Gave your life to the Lord. How many is outside the church? You were maybe at a home. That's good. That's interesting. I remember being at a vacation Bible school, and I remember um, being about seven or eight years of age, and I remember uh, my dad was a pastor, and we had this uh, church. It was one of the a smaller churches that probably would seat about 150 people with a basement underneath that would flood every time it rained just about. But it was the old wooden pews, and if you fell asleep on the pew and woke up, you would knock the, and it would wake everybody up, and everybody would look over at you. How many remember what I'm talking about? Kind of nostalgic right there. 
But I remember growing up, and I remember this guy came in, Dan Duncan came in and with his team, and, and is basically his family. And I remember that time when he was calling that for if you wanted to give your life to the Lord. And, and I remember just as a young kid, something inside of me said, this is your time. And I remember responding to that. I remember saying yes to Jesus and walking to the very front and asking Jesus into my life and, and giving my life to Him. Remember that moment? It's good, isn't it? It was a great time. It was, it was a powerful time. And whether you were 7 or 70 or how old you were, that is an incredible thing. When you give your life to Jesus Christ and He comes into your life and He does great things. Well, I want to talk about this greatest relationship tonight. But let me just say this. If you want to have a great relationship with Christ, I, I want you to have an understanding of what it means to have and understand the greatest promise that's ever been given to you. What is that greatest promise that's been given to you? Well, I think it's very simple. You can find that in John 3.16. And everyone probably knows this verse, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but what? Just say it real loud. Have everlasting life. I mean, we, I grew up knowing that verse. I grew up studying that verse, and it, it was a huge impact in my life. It was just yesterday that I, I went and had a, my car worked on, and how many knows that's a great experience when you go to have your car worked on, and you don't know exactly what's going on, but had a pretty good idea, so I took it to a shop, and at the shop they said, hey, this is kind of what's going on with your car, and it's going to be about this much money, and I thought, you know, I might be able to save a little bit of money by going somewhere else, and so that's what I did. I said, put it all back together. I'm, I think I can uh, save a little money. So I went somewhere else and I sat there for about an hour and a half or two hours from about 5 to 6.30. And, and when my time was up to go pay, I went up and, and this particular day I, I had a book with me. And it was just last night, so I went up and I, I didn't even think about it. I put the book on the counter. I, I'm trying to find a way to pay. And, and I get there and he says, hey, I don't do that very well. And I'm like, what, 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 what are you talking about? He says, the book, that book. And it was a book by Bob Goff that says, everybody always becoming love in a world full of setbacks and difficult people. And he says, yeah, I don't do that very well. He says, man, I just blow up at times. He says, I don't have much patience. And he says, I just don't do that very well. I said, you know, that's all of us. How many's ever kind of messed up and kind of blown it and, and haven't done the right thing? You said the wrong thing. And I said, that's all of us. But I said, you know what? There's this thing called sanctification in our life that we are being set apart and we are growing in him and, and we are becoming like Jesus Christ. And he says, you know what? Sometimes you have to have what's the fruit of the Spirit? Self-control. And you begin to learn that and grow that in your life. And he kind of looks at me and he shakes his head. Now, I believe in this. I believe in divine appointments. How many believe in divine appointments? That sometimes, though he even said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer. And I said, man, that's great. Sometimes we're planting even more seeds, right, of growth in somebody. And so that was a great opportunity just to plant a seed of growth. Encourage a brother in Christ to help him out. But it all stems from this greatest relationship that both he and I had, that we were able to share that moment in time. And guess what? We have divine appointments all the time. Amen. 
And we have got to take advantage of those divine appointments. And I believe the Lord leads that into our life. He helps us understand that. And we can grow in knowing that the Lord is, is helping us. Now, with this whole idea for God so loved, I want to spend a little time on this word called love. What does it mean? What can we learn from this word called, called love? I think this. I think love is a very powerful word. If you don't think it's that powerful, I, I just kind of dare you to next time you go out to eat or you're out in public and the waiter waitress comes up to you and says, here, here's your food, here's this, here's that. Instead of saying thank you, just say I love you. Now, I would get your spouse's permission, you know what I'm saying, in order to do this. And I really wouldn't recommend this, but my point is it changes things real quick, doesn't it? This word called love. I remember being around this young man named Josh, and Josh was just a loving kid, uh, probably in his early 20s, and, and Josh was just that kind of kid who just, you, you loved, and he was, he was just nice. And so I think about the second or third time I met Josh, he came up to me and he, he said, hey man, I just want to give you a hug. I said, that's great, I'm a hugger from the South, right? Not everybody's a hugger, I'm a hugger. And he kind of fully embraced me, and he said, you know what? He said, I've read, and while he's hugging me, he's telling me this. How many knows that a hug is usually about two or three seconds and you let go? You know, uh, some of you here have that bubble. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't want you really in my bubble, but there is a time that you can be in my bubble. And it's usually not more than two or three seconds. So Josh hugs me, and he hugs me for a while. He said, did you know, and he, he begins to explain, that when people hug for 20 seconds or longer, there is a bond that forms in them, and he begins to release serotonin from their mind, and I'm saying, I can feel this, yes, we are bonding together. So if you could, just stand up and hug someone for about 20 seconds, I'm just joking, you know, that could be very uncomfortable, but you know what I'm saying? Your family member, whoever it may be, try that, you, that's one you can try, hug them for 20 seconds or longer. But what he was also expressing is that there is a love. There is a friendship. So do you know what? Every time that I see him, it's not very often. You know what we do? We do a 20-second hug. It'll just change you. I'm telling you. Just try it. It'll change you. 20-second hug. And so we hug. See, love has the power to save. It has the power to destroy. Love is this word that we, we flippantly use, and we don't know really what it means a lot. And, and if you were to type it into the Internet and, and see how many times you could find the word love, did you know that uh, at one given time, people would type this word into the Internet about 50,000 times a day, as opposed to the word hate about 1,000 times a day? People are interested in this word love, and, but I don't know if you really know what love means, but it's, it's there, and we're learning and we're growing from it. And I would even say this, that America is probably infatuated with this word as we're trying to learn what it is, what it, what it means, and people write songs about love all the time. You can listen to them on the radio, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go online, I'm going to see what some of the love songs that we have are, and wouldn't you know that people make up crazy titles for love songs, like... Email my heart and download my love. If I see that song title, I am not listening to that songs, right? Here's another one. Hips don't lie. Let these sink in just a little bit. Achy breaky heart. Remember that's an old one. We kind of know that one. Uh, if my, now I'm just reading this. This is not maybe proper English. I'm reading this. Do you understand that? 
if my nose was running money, I'd blow it all on you. Now, this is a good one. You can tell this is an old one here. I saw this on an LP cover on the, on the internet, and here's what it says. Billy broke my heart at Walgreens. I cried all the way to Sears. You're the reason our kids are ugly. <laughs> Loretta Lynn and Conway Twitty, just in case you want to know who wrote that song. Do you notice how many times that sometimes people use the word I in a song? I. Because sometimes, and a lot of times, this love that we talk about and we share about, it's about me. What does the Bible say about love? Now, the interesting thing, when we talk about love and we begin to share love, we think and share about love in this way. We think of it in just one, a one-dimensional, like, it's just love. We have one word for love, but if you go into the Bible, the Greeks had about three to five different words for the word love. And so I want to share with you about three of those words about love and what it means. And the first one is a love that's called philatoi love. Now you say, Craig, I'm telling you, that is not the way you pronounce that word philatoi well, I'll just say this. I'm up here right now, and maybe you'll be up here a little later. It's going to be Philatoi tonight. You understand that, right? Philatoi. What does it mean? Let me give you a scripture reference I think that's going to help. It's found, you can see it right up there, but it says this. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Do you, do you see that it is a selfish type of love? In other words, it's kind of a for me type of love. It's temporary and it's pretty conditional. Now, how, let me illustrate that further by saying this. Just today, I went and purchased a salmon salad from Publix. Now, I can say this. I love salad. Now, that's not the, I love steak more than salad, but you know what I'm saying? We're going to use this salad thing. We're just going to go with it. So if I said, I love salad, what do I do? I go down to Publix. I purchase it. I try to get the best deal, use all the coupons I have and bring it back. I begin to pour the dressing over it. And the first thing I do, listen to this. If I love this salad, the first thing I do is grab a fork. And what do I do? No, I stab it. You know what I'm saying? I love this salad. I stab it. Then I begin to chew the salad. And after chewing the salad, we won't worry about it from there. But you know what I'm saying? So I say I love this salad, but really it's a for me kind of love. It's, it's conditional on whether I like it or whether I don't like it. And get this, let's take the same salad and I say, you know what, I'm going to eat about half of this salad. I'm going to leave it, remember there's salmon in there. I'm going to leave it right here on my desk and you know what, I'm not going to put it in the fridge. But in, the, in about two days, I'm going to come back to this salad and I'm going to finish the salad. Now I hear what you're saying. You're saying, ooh, right? Why do we say ooh? Because we know that needs to be refrigerated. That is going to go bad. So the very thing I was saying in my life that I loved, guess what? Now I don't. What, why is that? It's a selfish kind of love. It's a, it's a for me. It's very conditional. And I don't want that salad anymore. The next love is a filio love. 
Philia love is another way I'd say to pronounce it, but it is a brotherly love. And listen to this, 1 Peter 1.22, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. Now many of us know this, is that when a, a hurricane hits, there's going to be many people from all of the country, they're going to go give of their time, and they're going to help people in need. You know what that is? That is brotherly love. They don't want anything in return. They just want to go and they want to help. So we have philatoi, that's a selfish type of love. We have this other love called filio, that is a brotherly love. And the last one, you're going to be familiar with this because this is agape. How many heard of agape love? Agape love is a, is, is, is a giving love. We could even use the scripture, for God so loved the world, right? We know that scripture. We've already shared about it. Now here's the interesting thing about agape love. Agape is not a for me type of love. Guess what? It's for you. It's not temporary. It is lasting. It is not unconditional, or it is unconditional. It's not conditional. So in other words, it is a giving type of love. It is the same love that is described in the Bible as very specifically this. The same love that God said, I'm going to send my son to earth. He's going to die on a cross so that you could have life. It's a giving love. It's a lasting love. And it, guess what? It is unconditional because no matter what we have done, right, we can always come to the Father because that's the kind of Father that he is. He's always giving. That love can transform lives. I have seen it, you have seen it, and you can see the power of God through the greatest relationship that we have with Him. Understanding the greatest promise is what? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you see the transformation of that. I want you to take a look at a video up here of that transforming love, and it's called the love anthem. Take a look at this video. Love. 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 Love in this world is pretty messed up. It asks for a lot and it never returns the favor. Love in my world? Well, it brings more trouble than it's worth. In my world, love has felt like sabotage. It flees into the night. It, it, it leaves at the first sign of trouble. And it never feels like, I love you, no matter what. Because love in my world, it leaves. And when it leaves, there's only disaster left. Our promise is a lot, but it doesn't deliver much. It breaks hearts. I've picked up the pieces of my broken heart. One too many times. So I build walls. Love isn't worth the tears. The pain, the loneliness. The surrender. It's exhausting. Even when you try to do love right, love fails. I have made a mess out of love. What good is it? You can't help me. I love it all. Why do I even try to love? Why sacrifice to carry the burden? Why? 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 Because there is a perfect love 
perfect love that can end the disaster. A perfect love that can heal the brokenhearted. There is a love that saved those who are dwelling in this messed up world. God tells us about it because we wouldn't recognize it if it showed up on our own doorstep. It's a love that takes its time. It's profound. It doesn't brag or badmouth. God's love is like a shield that we know will never leave us. That you can trust. Hoping. And you never, ever exhaust it. That's his kind of love. And it never fails. And while we were keeping records of wrongs and self-seeking and being unkind, he still died for us. How can I love like that? How can I love like that? How can I love like that? Because I am loved like that. I can love well, not because of me, but because he first loved me. Amen. Isn't that the power of God's love? When I watched that video, I thought about this guy named Bill Gale. Bill Gale is a very unique guy because kind of his calling, what he wants to do, what he feels called to do, is he goes to hospitals. And at this hospital, he goes into a certain area, and it is an area where moms are giving birth, but the moms have been addicted to drugs, crack cocaine specifically. And so what Bill Gale does, and this is the interesting thing, Bill Gale can't perform a surgery, he, he can't oversee a blood transfusion. Bill Gale can't even figure out how to fill out the paperwork. But what Bill Gale does is that he loves. And so what he does is he takes these little babies, these newborns, and all he does is he cuddles them, he holds them tight, he warms them, he smiles at them, and he talks to them. And when he does that, guess what? When he holds them, he heals them. And over time, when he begins to love and he begins to cheer, now here's the amazing thing. Those babies will never know that they were held at a young age by Bill. But somebody took the time because of the situation that they were in to hold and rock and care and nurture for them. And so I see it as this, is that Bill Gale is not just expressing love, he is becoming love. It is easy to love the people who are lovable, but did you know the greatest test in life is to love the people who are unlovable? That's the true test of love. It's the people who are shunned. It's the people that you look at and go, I, I just don't think I could get along with them. Those are the people that's hard to love. And we could probably all say that, couldn't we? We're guilty of that. We're, we're, we're guilty of not loving in such a way, but the idea of love is embracing everyone, loving everyone, and acting upon everyone. Now listen to this. Bob Goff says this in his book. God's idea isn't that we would just give and receive love, but that we could actually become love. And let me add to everyone that we come in contact with. Now I remember years and years ago, uh, we, my wife and I have just become empty nesters. You, you know what I'm talking about? How many are empty nesters in here? And so our two girls are in college, but I remember years ago when we would, when they were first born and we were raising them that we began to, um, I don't know if you've ever said it this way, but tuck your kids in bed. Anybody ever do that? You, you tuck them in bed is what we called it. 
My parents did it, my mom specifically, and I remember growing up and having kids that we were going to tuck our kids into bed, and, and at a very young age, of course, we started when they were in the crib, but I remember taking my, my oldest Callie and my youngest Cammie, and I remember her laying in, her in the bed, and I remember saying just would pray over her every night and just saying this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I would say that over and over and over again. And, and here's, what, here's what began to happen. When she turned about two years of age, when she began to talk just a little bit, I would begin to say, for God so loved, and I could hear a little whisper, for God so loved the world. And I remember about two and a half, I said, hey honey, can you say the scripture? And she repeated it back, and I was like, I ran into my mind, can you not believe what Callie did? She said, the, she said John 3.16 to me. I got so excited, I went in the bathroom, I put those black things under my eyes, I put John 3.16 right there. I'm joking, I didn't do that. But you know, as a dad, I was so excited that she said John 3.16, and, and then we went under, on to another verse, but you know what I'm saying? How many would get excited about that? And I'm thinking... I, I want to pour into my kids. I, I, I believe this, that that word of God is living and active. It can change hearts. It has the power to change hearts. And I wanted her, her heart and her life to be shaped by that. So when we begin to talk about for God so loved the world, did you know that there, there's nine principles that you can learn from that? Let me give them to you real quick. For God, the greatest good, so loved the greatest action. The world, the greatest need, that he gave the greatest example. His only begotten son, the greatest sacrifice. That whosoever, the greatest invitation, believeth in him, the greatest response, should not perish the greatest horror in life, but have everlasting life. That, my friends, is the greatest gift that you could ever receive. So you see, it's just not a scripture. Do you understand there's principles? This thing is packed full of life. The greatest relationship tied to the greatest promise, I believe, can lead you to this, is the greatest power that you could ever have in your life. Amen? I can say that, but scripture needs to prove that. You go to Ephesians. I love the book of Ephesians. It's a very relational book. And when you go there, you could say this, that Ephesians in 119, I'm just going to pull out one little bit of it. It says, and what is this exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power? You see, when you look at that word exceeding, you could say this. It literally means unlimited. It is surpassing. The greatness is that beyond measure. In other words, this God that we serve, this God now that is living in me, does surpassing, unlimited, beyond measure in my life. And also in others' lives. It is the power of God. And when you look into the verse, you have to understand this. That same power that they are talking about goes on to say this. It answers the question. It is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Lives in you lives in me. And if we understand that power, if we live in that power, God offers his power to all people. So coming to know God is the key to knowing the power of God. And that greatest promise helps us with that greatest relationship as we begin to form it and we begin to live it within our lives and outside of our lives. So we'll become in our lives what we do with our love. That's what Bob Goff says. We'll become in our lives 
what we do with our love. The greatest relationship, the greatest promise, and the greatest power. As the worship team begins to come, I'm going to lead you to one more verse that I believe, I think that can speak volumes into our life, and it begins to help shape who we are, what we need, what we want, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And you've heard it before, you've read it before, but it simply says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could what? Ask or imagine according to what? His power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine. How many need some, uh, a God in your life right now to do something immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine? Yes. And I would say even tonight that it, two things we could talk about. Number one is that as we grow our relationship in Christ through the promise leading to the power that, God, we need you to do immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine. Could you help me in my relationship as I grow it in and through you? And number two, if you're up against something tonight, you say, this thing is beyond me. It's bigger than me. I could tell you this, it's not bigger than God. The hurt may go deep, but God's love always goes deeper. God is able to do a measure more than you could ever ask or imagine. So what do we do? We give that to an almighty God. And that almighty God begins to work in and through us, right? And let me tell you this. Sometimes it's something that's not taken away. But it's something he gives us the strength to go through. You understand that? He helps us to grow through it. And he helps us to go through it. But sometimes we just need that, that, that prayer to partner with someone to say, I want to connect my faith with your faith tonight. Would you pray for me? Would you help me? I'm growing my relationship. Would you stand with me tonight? And as we stand tonight, we're going to have just a moment of prayer here. Just a moment of prayer. I'm going to pray in just a moment. As soon as we're done praying, Pastor Randy's going to, and the worship team, they're going to sing. And I want you just to respond and say, Lord, I, I need you tonight. Remember, God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Lord, I thank you tonight that you're a loving God. Your word says that you are living in us. And because you're living in us, there is power working through us. So, Lord, I pray there would be no fear in the next few moments. I pray that people would respond because maybe they need to grow their relationship with you and commit to that. Or maybe this, that they're up against something so big. But Lord, when we take this verse and we apply it to our situation, we know this. You are able to do immeasurably more than what we could ever ask or imagine according to your power that is working within us. So Lord, I pray that we connect our faith with you and that we would respond tonight. There would be no fear, but we would just respond. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You respond right now. It's Pastor Randy. He is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. I am true. Bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. 
of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory And I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for me And oh, how he loves us all Oh, and he loves us, and oh, how he loves us, and oh, how he loves us, oh, how he loves us. Yes, you do, Jesus. Sing, he loves, he loves us, and oh, how he loves us, oh, how he loves us, and oh, how he loves us. Come on, lift your voice tonight. Oh, yes, you do, Jesus. He loves us, and oh, how he loves us, oh, how he loves us, oh, how he loves us. Come on, can you lift up a hand tonight and declare that in this place? He loves us, oh, how he loves us, and oh, how he loves us, oh, how he loves us. And we'll sing it one more time tonight. And he loves us, oh, how he loves us. Lord, we thank you tonight that you're a mighty God that is helping us, guiding us through this life. God, that we can always call upon your name because we have the greatest relationship with the greatest word to have the greatest power to live this life that you've given us. We thank you for this life. And Lord, we pray that you help us even this week, the remainder of this week, to live for you, to look for divine opportunities. And we thank you that even tonight, we pray for the panhandle of Florida that you would guide and direct them, that you keep them safe. Provide opportunities, Lord, for people to serve and love. And we thank you for this night that you've given to us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord praise tonight, would you? Give him thanks. Amen. We can't wait to see you this weekend. Go in his grace and go in his peace. Have a great night.